Turn in your Bibles, please. We're in the book of First Chronicles, chapter 25. If this is your first time joining us on a Wednesday night, a little different format than the weekends. We still go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Wednesday night, we're in the Old Testament. We tend to cover a little more ground. So if you have a Bible, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, please grab one from under a seat in front of you. You'll, you'll need it. It'll be good to follow along. First Chronicles chapter 25, we're looking at the, the life and reign of, of King David. We will probably get to the point this evening, Lord willing. We'll finish that, that up and transition into the reign of King Solomon. And we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks as David has been preparing for this. We, we talked and the chronicler spends a large amount of time, as we've already seen and we'll see more tonight, several chapters behind this whole idea that David, when he reached this point in his life, his, his heart's desire, the number one thing he wanted to do to show his, his adoration, his love for his God was to build the temple. But God told him no, and we'll see that again. David covers that again tonight in, in an explanation. But he said, no, that is a job that will be given to your son, Solomon. And instead of moping around about that, being all bummed out that God said no, he devoted the rest of his life to make sure that when Solomon's turn came, he'd have everything that he needed. And we talked even this last time, the last we started into this, we'll continue right now through as we continue in these chapters, verses or chapters 23 and 24, not only did he take care of the the building materials, as the, the stone and the timber and the, and the precious metals and stones, all that stuff, but he also was putting into place all of the offices that were needed and the people that were going to be needed to, to continue on in this. We turned and looked in chapter 23, spoke of the Levites, and it gave us a list of the, the Levites, the names at that time. And then chapter 24, the priests. And now as we look, starting here in chapter 25, we're going to see that, that he's taking care of the worship leaders, the worshipers. If you have little subtitles or headings um, b- before your chapters, um, or even in the midst of the chapters, know that, that that's not the word of God. Those are put in by man. I, I struggle with the first one right here. It, 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 mine says, number and services of musicians. That's not at all what this is talking about. There is a huge difference between musicians and worship leaders. What, what we just saw, what we just experienced was worship. And yes, Mike is a musician, but he's a worship leader. And there's a big difference. There's a whole lot of, whole lot of musicians that, that get up in front of people play and play Christian songs that aren't worship leaders. But, but we see that there, there's, this, is, this is what this is about. And we'll see this. We'll, verse one, moreover, David and the commanders of the army set apart for the service some of the sons of Asaph and of Heman. I like it that way. I think it's Haman, but Heman. I like that. <laughs> and, and Jeduthun, who were to prophesy with lyres, harps, and cymbals, and the number of those who performed their service was, and we're gonna, there's a list of names that follows. By the way, we're going to skip over a lot of the names tonight. You can read those on your own if you like. But here we see, we're not just talking about musicians. It's interesting that the word prophesied is used there. And it is the same word that speaks of prophets throughout the entire Old Testament. It's the same word that speaks of Isaiah and Jeremiah, the prophet. 
if we look down, we get a little bit of a better idea in verse three. It says, they prophesied in giving thanks and praising the Lord. It is, again, this, this idea of leading the children of Israel in worship of Almighty God. And I'm sure Mike would agree, and anyone who is a true worship leader, that that is truly a gift from God. It's not just the, the gift, yes, the physical talent, as we'll see, um, the, the skill in playing a musical instrument, but the gift of being able to get into that, that place of worship yourself and then leading others in worship. The prophetic idea or the content here, I believe, is, involves the lyrical content of what is being sung. Back then, most of what was done and, and sung were the Psalms. As you read through the Psalms that David wrote, Asaph, by the way, he's mentioned here, he wrote a dozen or more of the, of the Psalms, some by Moses, some by Solomon, the majority by David. But we know all scripture inspired by God. The Psalms, as David wrote them, inspired by God. Then those songs then sung, lifting up God's word and, and praise to him. Many of the songs that we sing today, I have no doubt, that song that we just sang, the Revelation song, again, that's pulled, there's a lot of scripture in that song. But as we sing that, we're lifting up God, his, his very own words, his praises to him, worshiping him. Jesus said, when we, when we, if we're truly worshiping, we're worshiping in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Now, there's, there's a whole lot of debate, and we could go back and forth about hymns and contemporary choruses. Do we sing about God? Do we sing to God? You know, there's a whole lot of debate about that. And as I've, I've, I've mentioned before, guys, the bottom line behind worship is the heart of the worshiper. We, can, we all have our favorite styles of music. We all have our favorite volume levels, <laughs> what we would prefer in that, and the instruments that are used, and all of those types of things. But bottom line, at the end of it all, it's the content of the lyrics and the position of our heart as we worship God. Now, just a couple of things before we move on from this. I, th I find it very interesting. Notice verse one, moreover, David and the commanders of the army set apart them for worship. And I, I like that because guys, we are in a battle, are we not? The Bible is clear. We've, we, we are fighting a battle every day. And if we're not fighting, we're fooling ourselves that we're making any progress whatsoever. And our enemies are not flesh and blood. The Bible tells us that it is spiritual forces of darkness that we fight against in this battle every day. We need to make sure that our armor is on. But guys, we need to make no mistake about it. One of the best ways to be prepared continually and always is to have a heart of worship. And I just, I love that. Just that whole idea of, of the commanders of the army were involved in setting apart those to lead worship. We see many times in the Old Testament, it was some of those very worship leaders who would be out in front of the military itself as they were going forward. They were the ones leading the charge around Jericho. They were the ones going around, the, the, out in front, a heart of worship. Perhaps this happens to you. I, I hope it does on a regular basis. And, and if it does, I believe, again, that's God in this whole process. But you'll be just going through your day, th different things going on, and just start singing. 
Ever happen to anybody? Anybody else? Just start a worship song. It'll just pop into your head. And he's like, where'd that come from? Man, that's, that, that's the Lord. And just keep playing that out in your, in your heart and singing it out loud. I, I got to tell you, one of the, my favorite things is to walk in into the house, my wife not knowing I'm coming or to come, go into a room and she'll just be worshiping and just to hear her worship. That's one of the, it just blesses me. And it, and it, it blesses me if I, it blesses her if I let her continue without joining in because that usually wrecks the whole thing. <laughs> but, but that whole idea of being being the, into that worship, because again, that's preparing our hearts. That's continuing in this idea. Because guys, the, worship is not, worship didn't stop when, when Mike put his guitar down. Worship needs to continue throughout our, throughout our days, throughout our, throughout our lives. And I love the, mir- the musical piece of it, though, because that, we do remember things, the songs that we hear, right? Oh, I wish I were a... Yeah, I mean, we could all finish that. And that commercial hasn't been around for 25 years, but we could all finish that, you know? But those songs that stick with us, those songs that just resonate with us, and again, in worship of the Lord. Well, notice though too, verse 7, the number who were trained in singing to the Lord with their, with their relatives who were skillful was 288. Leaders, worship leaders, it's not, it, it, there is practice involved and in to continue honing the craft because they do need, they're skillful. Because, because it, the, nothing should be distracting us who the, the are being led into worship by them through, through that. But also, you can get to that point where, where it's, it, it becomes just rote, you know, just kind of going through the motions. And that's extremely distracting too, is it not? I'll tell you, some of the things, when I love watching our worship team when they're up here and they're singing, like, again, just now, worshiping God, leading us in worship. Well, like I said, you can finish going through and reading, reading this chapter. Um, uh, again, it's, it's a bunch of, it's a list of names. They're broken up into, into where they, where they set in, in the, in the, their rotation schedule and everything like that. Again, one of the things I love about this one, and I mentioned earlier, the name He-Man, I think that I like to read that because that tells me real men praise Jesus. But chapter 26, we see, we see here the, the worship leaders, chapter 26, this is, it says, for the divisions of the gatekeepers, there were the, the Korathites, the Meshachnullah, and then we're going to get into a whole bunch of other names there. Gatekeepers, these, these were the ones who were going to be posted outside of, of the temple area. The ushers and greeters, if you would, those that were welcoming the worshipers as they came in, but it went way beyond that. It wasn't just ushers and greeters. There was a whole lot of gold, a whole lot of very precious things. So there was a little security involved in this group too. And a large number of them, because there's going to be a large number of people that continually come. And again, I love that verse six tells us that they were mighty men of valor. Verse seven, they were valiant men. Verse eight, they were able men, strong with strength for the service. And we see quite a, quite a list of them through verse, verse 26. Very important 
part of the ministry, an extremely important part of the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Surprise, ushers, greeters, security. You might not know, but we have a security team at, within the church that watching over us as we're here in the, in the sanctuary, out in the foyer, out in the parking lot. I would, I would encourage you as you're, as you're coming and going, our ushers and greeters, that's one of the things that I hear over and over as people come to our church for the first time or at newcomers dinners is they felt welcome the moment that they came here. They felt the love of God through our usher team and our greeters as they were, as they were greeted. Guys, that's not, that's not fake. You can't fake that. That's, that's, they truly genuinely love people and welcoming them and our security. So if you do happen to notice who they are, thank them. They're watching, watching out for us. So verse, through verse 19, covering that, the gatekeepers. Verse 20, the Levites and their relatives had charge of the treasure of the house of God and of the treasures of the dedicated gifts. So here we see again, these that are watching over, there's a, quite a bit of treasure that's amassed, and we're going to see that in a, in a couple chapters. 20, verses 26 through 28, speaking of the dedicated things, not only that King David had dedicated the, through vi, uh, victory and battle over the enemies, the things that they would, they would take from that, dedicated to the Lord, but also even as we see um, verse 28, all that Samuel the seer had dedicated, Saul the son of Kish, the, the king before David, Abner the son of Ner, and Joab the son of Zariah, Everyone who had dedicated anything, all of this was in the care of Shelmoleth and his relatives. Notice now too, verse 29, outside duties. There were officers and judges who oversaw the area outside of Jerusalem. They, they traveled around to make sure that, because as we mentioned last time, the, the area now of Israel that David has conquered is, the, is as large as it will ever get. So there's this, there are a lot of outlying areas. So judges and people that are going out there and, and listing off those. Chapter 27, the commanders of the army, as it goes through, and they're broken down into regiments of 24,000 soldiers each. And again, you can go through that um, on your own. But again, outlining all of this, as we get now, verse 25, chapter 27, verse 25. We'll slow down here a little bit. Now, Asmaveth, that's why we don't read them all, and the son of Adiel had charge over the king's storehouses. And Jonathan, the son of Uzziah, had charge of the storehouse in the country, in the cities, in the villages, and in the towns. Ezri, the son of Chelub, had charge over the agriculture workers who tilled the soil. Shemei, the Ramathite, had charge over the vineyards, and Zabdi, the, the, the Shifmite, had charge over the produce and the vineyards that stored in the, in the wine cellars. Belhanan, the Gedarite, had charge over the olives and the sycamore trees, and the Shefla, the son of Joash, had charge over the stores of the oil. Shatri, the, the Sharonite had charge over the cattle and were, that were grazing in Sharon. And Shaphat, the son of Adlai, had charge of the cattle in the valleys. Obil, the Ishmaelite, had charge over the camels. And Jedediah, the Menoronite, had charge over the donkeys. Jeziel, the Hagrite, had charge over the flocks. All these were oversiers of the, overseers of the property which belonged to King David. So, 
All the way beginning in chapter 23 to this point, we've seen all of these people that have been, had specific responsibilities. And we started out with the priests and the Levites. And now working all the way through this list, we come down to these ones that are, that are overseeing the donkeys and the camels and, the, and the, the livestock. And the thing that I love about this, and though we've skipped over them, all of their names are recorded. God wanted their names recorded and remembered. Not so that you and I can skip over them, <laughs> but there's a record of that. Like I said, it's easy for us to, to kind of skip over them, but I could tell you what would cause it not to get skipped over if your name was in here, right? You'd say, hey, wait a second, back in chapter 25, verse one, of that, that, that's me right there. Guys, our names are recorded where the, the, the work that we do for the Lord, he keeps record of that. And there is no job that is more important or more vital to the overall work of the kingdom than another. Everyone. I mean, I, I, I love that. It just goes right through. It doesn't have level one, level two, level three. It just keeps on going. And when the chronicler wrote this, there were not chapter breaks. This was just one big long list as he went through it. Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for the body is not one, mem one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it does not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. The whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. Guys, he has put his body together, his body, the church. Every role, every member, every servant, no matter where God calls you to serve, is just as important and vital to the overall workings of the body of Christ as any other. That's, where, that's why there is absolutely no room for any type of jealousy in the body of Christ. Well, I want to be an eye, I want to be an ear. You know, it's, it's funny when we say those types of things, I want to be an eye. You want to be an eye until you realize what the eye sees. You want to be an ear until you realize what the ear hears. There's a whole lot. Of, I, people have said, you know, I wish that I this. No, no, you don't. No, you really don't. Largely because. You're not prepared for that. I, God will provide, will prepare you for specifically what he's called you to do. But if you try then to do something else outside of what you, you're, 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 you might think you want that until you get that, then you don't want anything to do with it because you're not ready for that. You're not prepared for that. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. 
And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. I, like I said, I, I, I love this, this section, just reading through this, just little things that, that jump out at me in that verse that we just finished, verse 31. All of those were overseers of the property which belonged to King David. Again, those, that, that area that God has placed you in to serve. And if you're not serving anywhere in the body of Christ, if you're not doing anything to serve God with your life, you need to. God, God has a plan for you. Seek him for what that is. If, you don't, if, you, if you're struggling with that, if you're not hearing, fill out a ministry application here. We'll put you to work while you're seeking the Lord on that. We, we, we got stuff that needs to be done, and you might find out that that's exactly where God would have you. But in that process, as you're doing that, I love this. It says, overseers of the property which belonged to King David. Guys, the this church belongs to Jesus. And so he'll make you an overseer of something that belongs to him. If you think of it that way, how, how cool is that? I'll break it right down to if, if it's cleaning toilets, you get to clean a toilet that belongs to Jesus. And, you're, and, and with the right heart and the right attitude, that brings great honor and glory to him. Well, verse 32, also Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, a man of understanding and a scribe, and Jael, the son of Hakmani, tutored the king's sons. Ahithophel was counselor to the king. That's the job everybody wants. I want to be counselor. I want to be, I want to, I want to be, I want to be counseling God. I want to give him my two cents worth. It's the job we all want, and it's the job we're always constantly applying for, right? God, this is what I'd do. Hushai the archite was the king's friend. I love that. Jehodiah, the son of Benaiah, and Abiathar exceeded, or succeeded Ahithophel, and Joab was the commander of the king's army. All serving in the roles that they were called and created and equipped to do. Well, chapter 28. Chapter 28 and 29, as we close out now, get to this, this idea that David is now, he's got everything ready. David is at the end of his life, 70 years old. Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel, the princes of the tribes, the commanders of the divisions that served the king, the commanders of the thousands, the commanders of the hundreds, the overseers of all the property, the livestock belonging to the king and his sons and the officials and the mighty men, even all the valiant men. So everybody that we've been looking at the last four chapters, 
Then King David arose to his feet and said, listen to me, my brethren and my people. I had intended to build a permanent home for the Ark of the Covenant of, of the Lord and for the, and for the footstool of our God. So I had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you are a man of war and have shed blood. That is not, again, that it's because he's being punished for shedding innocent blood. That's not, that's not the point here. David did, did what God called him to do as a warrior, as a commander of the armies. He did what God commanded him to do. But the one who will build the temple, his son Solomon, is one who will never go to war, a man of peace. Yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me from all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be a leader in the house and in the house of Judah, my father's house. And among the sons of my father, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel. Reflecting on this, going back now, this, he, again, we looked at this a few chapters ago. The idea, he, this is his heart's desire. God said no, but he just looks at this whole thing as, how can I say anything but yes, Lord, and praise him because he chose me to be king. I didn't earn this position. I didn't, I didn't deserve this position. He chose me. First of all, he chose the tribe of Judah. David had nothing to do with that. And then he chose David's father. David had nothing to do with that. And then he's the one that's left out. He's the one, he's the runt of the litter. He's the one that they, 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 his father didn't even call when Samuel said, I want to have all of your sons present. He left David out with the sheep. But God chose David. And he's just overwhelmed by that fact. This is, this is really cool this, in, in this verse. He took pleasure in me. Does anybody have the King James Version? What does it say there? Pleased with me. What is the, is the new King James? Oh, King James, old King James. Anybody have the old King James? What does it say? He liked me. He liked me. Interesting. It says, John recording the words of Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 27. It says, for the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from my father. Now, the father himself loves you. What Greek word do you think that is for love? Agape. If you thought that, you'd be wrong. It's the word phileo. The father himself phileos you. We know that he loves us and bottom line, he has to love us because he is love. But that says, not only does he love me, he likes me. We're all called as Christians to love one another, agape. But I, you know, I'm just going to be straight up. There's, there's some people that we love because they're part of the body that we love, but we don't necessarily like all that much. I'm just being straight. I mean, hey. I mean, that, that, that if we had our druthers, that, that perhaps we, we wouldn't have to hang out with them all the time. I can 
lighten it up that way. The Father himself, he likes you. He not only loves you, and he displayed that love, demonstrated that love, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But he likes you. Tells us verse 15, or chapter 15 of John. Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and then your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he will give you. This is command I give you, that you love one another, agape. But Jesus said, I, it's, it's not that he never calls a slave again, because throughout well done, good and faithful slave, but not only slave, he calls us friends. We spoke of that this last weekend, if you were here. I think sometimes we can, we can cross a line, even as Christians, that we lose that awe and respect for Almighty God. But we also, get, be, be careful that we don't get in the ditch on the other side of the road. He, he calls us friends. Not only loves us, but he takes pleasure in us. He likes us, too. Of all my sons, verse, verse 5, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be a son to me, and I will be a father to him. I will establish his kingdom forever if he resolutely performs my commandments and my ordinances as is done now. He continues in your ways, David. David was not a sinless man, as we have seen. But the one thing that David did was when he was confronted with his sin, he repented, and he never turned away from God to serve other gods. God's making this thing. If, if he continues in that pattern, I will establish his kingdom forever. Unfortunately, as we will see, Solomon later in his life does turn to other gods. But this is what is being said now, David here. So now, verse 8, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek after all of the commandments of the Lord your God, so that you may possess the good land and bequeath it to your sons after you forever. So there's the, the, the challenge to the nation, seek after God. Follow after him, do his, follow his commands. But notice verse 9 now, as for you, my son Solomon. Solomon is a young man. We're going to find out. David describes him as young and kind of weak still. still. Still growing at this point. As for you, my son Solomon, notice first, know the God of your father and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Notice first, know the God of your father. Know the God that I serve, Solomon. And note he doesn't say know of him. Know about him. He says know him. 
The, the, the idea behind that is experience who he is. Know him on a level beyond just intellectual. And he, ta- he goes into that. Serve him with a whole heart, not a divided heart. That is going to be Solomon's downfall. It's going to start with a divided heart. He's going to start chasing after other things. Pleasures, money, all of these other things. That will, that will be his downfall, but he's saying serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. A willing mind. I pray this often to my, when I'm praying alone to the Lord, but I'll pray it with us too because it's a great reminder. Lord, make me willing to follow after you. And in those times when I'm not, make me willing to be willing. Because our flesh and the struggles that we, that, we, that we put ourselves in with this, that can, that can be a huge roadblock to us following after the Lord is being willing to do whatever he says, which we put those blocks up there. Follow, serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thought. He not only understands what it is we're doing and what it is we're saying, he hears everything, he sees everything, he knows our hearts behind it. I don't know if that scares you, if that worries you. It shouldn't. We talked of this on on Sunday, that the beautiful word in the New Testament, repent. It's a beautiful thing. He knows our intentions. And if we're praying that regularly, God, you know me, search me, know me, know my anxious thoughts, reveal to me if there is anything in me that is displeasing to you. Show that to me so that we can repent. When we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance is a beautiful thing. We talked about that on Sunday understands every intent of of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts than the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now. God's not just into this really massive game of cosmic hide-and-seek. That's not the point. His, the, the desire behind that is that we would ser- search for him with our entire heart, with our whole heart, so that we would not have a divided heart. When we come to him in that way, fully devoted, God, what is it that you would have for me? I desire to know you. I want to know the giver, not just receive the gifts. And when we seek him that way, it's his delight to reveal himself to us. But if you forsake him, turn away from him completely, walk away from him to serve other gods, he will reject you. He will allow you to do that, Solomon. Consider now, verse 10, for the Lord has chosen you to build the house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. Be strong, be courageous, but don't just talk about it. Talk is cheap, get to work. 
Then David gave his son Solomon the plan for the porch. We're going to see the plans that, that the Lord revealed to David that now David is giving to Solomon. The plan for the porch, the temple, its buildings, its storehouses, its upper rooms, its inner rooms, and the room for the mercy seat. The plan for all that he had in mind for the courts, the house of the Lord, and for the surrounding rooms, for the storehouses of the house of God, and for the storehouses of the dedicated things. Also for the division of the priests, the Levites, for all the work of the service of the Lord in the house, and for the utensils of service in the house of the Lord. As we mentioned last time, this work for a lot of them is changing because they used to be responsible for carrying the ark, tearing down and disassembling the, 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 the tabernacle, carrying everything and reassembling it. Now the temple is going to be permanently built. So now they're being, the, these, the, their work is being reassigned. The golden utensils, the weight of the gold of the utensils for every kind of service, for the silver utensils, the weight of the silver for all the silver utensils for every kind of service, the weight of the gold for the gold lampstands and the golden lamps and the weight of each lampstand and its lamps and the weight of the silver for the silver lampstands with the weight of each lampstand and its lamps according to the use of each lampstand. And the gold by weight for the tables of showbread and for each table and the silver for the silver tables and the forks and the basins and the pitchers and the pure gold and for the gold bowls and the weight of each bowl and the silver bowls with the weight of each bowl. And for the altar of incense, refined gold by weight and the gold for the model of the chariot, even the cherubim spread their wings and cover the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The detail that David is giving Solomon right down to how much the forks weigh and how much the lampstands weigh, made of pure gold and silver and all of these things. Again, I just bring this back up. If you've been following the study along, it, this is reinforcing the point. If you haven't been, it's an important point to know. Again, I remind you, David said, God, let me build it. And God said, no. And instead of sulking about it, instead of moping about it, instead of that, he said, okay, Solomon's going to build it. I'm going to do it everything I can to make sure that that goes off. Even though Solomon's going to get credit for it, even though Solomon's going to be the one that builds it. And how many times do we go before God? And even with a great thing, God, I want to serve you in this way. I want to be doing this ministry. I want to be doing that. And God says, no, raises up somebody else. Do we say, huh? All right, well, I'm going to go over here then. I'm going to go do this over there, do this or say, you know what? God's given me a heart for that ministry. And though he's raised that person up to be the leader of that, I'm going to serve them with everything that I have. I'm going to come underneath them. I want to I make sure that this, this ministry honors God in every possible way. That was David's heart. It wasn't about David. It's all about the Lord. Verse 19, all this said, David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, all the details of this pattern. So this wasn't David coming up with this. He was listening to the Lord. He was praying, seeking the Lord, the Lord giving him this, and he's writing it down. Then David said to his son, Solomon, be strong and courageous and act and do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail he will not fail you nor forsake you until the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. As a matter of fact, the statement that is being said here is you're, you're untouchable and this thing can't fail. God is with you. Here's the plans. Stick with the plan. Follow it along. 
and you can't fail. Back to, we read it a few minutes ago. John 15, Jesus again speaking here. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. You put that in context and understand what it's saying for us as believers. We didn't choose him. He chose us and appointed us. Just as he appointed Paul and gave Paul specific ministry, he's appointed every one of us as believers to bear fruit. Fruit that will remain. And as we seek diligently after him, he said, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. And we pray, God, equip me. Give me what I need to fulfill what you've called me to do. He will answer that and give us everything that we need until he calls us home. And guys, until that point, if we're doing that, if we're following the outline that it says right there, we can't fail. We can't fail. I'll just let you, let you in on this and <clears throat> got to hurry up. I had a, this is, this, this happens a few years ago, Easter Sunday. We had set up a big prayer room and the whole thing and set it all up. And the, and the whole deal, we had it all set up with all these new believer packets and everything, expecting a great response that weekend, prayed about it, did everything for it, delivered. The worship was fantastic, delivered the message that I know the Lord laid on my heart. I gave an invitation at every service. We did not have one person come forward to go into the prayer room. I went back to my office and I was mad. I'm straight. I was mad at God. It's like, didn't you see what we did here? You know, all of this, all of this set up, all of this kind of stuff. And I'll tell you two minutes later, I'm on my face on the floor because God said, how dare you? Just because you stopped talking doesn't mean I'm done. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> I looked at that as a failure. But guys, it's, it's, we, we can look it around and we can see the things that God calls us to do and we feel that this is what it's supposed to be and these are supposed to be the results and this is the measuring stick and all of this kind of stuff and we say, I failed. Guys, if we are following what it says here, walking in what God has called us to do and we are praying and asking, Lord, in Jesus' name, use me and all this guy, then we can't fail. It's his purposes. It's his job to do those, the, the next pieces. And this, do just do this. Don't, do not fear. Don't be dismayed. God will never leave you or forsake you. Do it all for his glory. You can't fail. He'll stand and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did, you did what I, I, I called you and equipped you to do. Verse 21, now behold, there are divisions of the priests of the Levites for all the service of the house of God and every willing man of any skill will be with you in your works of, in kinds of service. The officials also and all the people will be entirely at your command. Chapter 29, 
Then King David said to the entire assembly, my son Solomon, with whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. God chose him, but this work is way beyond what this young guy can do. And here again, now he's calling everybody else. He's saying, I did all of this to this point. Now you guys are going to have to come alongside him. David realizes his time is coming to, to an end here. Now with all of my ability, I've provided for the house of my God, the gold, the things of gold, and, and the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, the wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and inlaid stones, stones of anonym, antimony, and stones of various colors, and all kinds of precious stones and alabaster in abundance. Moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasures I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy, te holy temple, namely 3,000 talents of gold and of ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the buildings. David's saying, I'm taking out of my own personal retirement 110 tons of gold and 260 tons of silver. That's a lot. Of gold, the things of gold, silver, the things of silver. That is for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, now this is his, he's saying, this is, this is what I ha have done. Notice he says here, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Then the rulers of the father's households and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of the thousands and of the hundreds with the overseers of the king's work offered note willingly. And for the service of the house of God, they gave 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of brass, 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury, the house of the Lord, in the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Verse 9, then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. David just said, as God lays it on you, this is what I'm doing this. And joyfully, cheerfully given. If God lays that on your heart, you give too. They all cheerfully give, not, not under compulsion. We see in 2 Corinthians, each one should do as God purposes, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not under compulsion. David didn't put up a giant thermometer and they were gauging it as it goes. No, what God lays on your heart do. And when they did, notice it says this, they, they rejoiced greatly. So David, David blessed the Lord in the sight of the assembly. And David said, bless the Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in heaven and on earth Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, O God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. Verse 14, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. Guys, that, that is the right perspective.
all belongs to him. Everything belongs to him and he has given it to us. And when we respond as he leads and we give out of what he has given us back to him for his service, for his, and then that is used in other areas. Guys, this is, I love this concept. If we can get a hold of this, we then become blessing brokers. It was never ours to begin with. He gives it to us. We hear from him and he says, you take what I've given you and you take this portion of that and you give it to this. The blessing goes, is passed through us. We're the brokers in the transaction. And we get a commission on it, <laughs> an eternal one. But th this idea was they're, they're praising God. They're, they're rejoicing that God would consider them worthy to be used in that way. <laughs> who am I and who are we that we should be able to offer as generously as this, that you would entrust us with that so that we can be involved in this? Great idea, great understanding of this. It's a privilege to give to the work of God. For we are sojourners before you and tenants as all our fathers were. Oh, and by the way, we're not taking offering tonight. That's, I'm not setting that up for just. Sojourners before you, tenants as, the, as all our fathers were, our days on earth are like a shadow and there is, no, there is no hope. There's nothing here. We're here for such a short time. And this isn't our home. Our home is in heaven. O oh Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house to your holy name, it is from your hand and all is yours. Since I know, O oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I and in the integrity of my heart have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offering willingly to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. And I love this, this, this prayer for his son here. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandment, your testimonies, and your, standard, and your statutes, and to do them all and to build the temple which I have made provision, interceding on behalf of his son. Great prayer there for us parents and grandparents. Then David said to all the assembly, now bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed down low and did homage to the Lord their king. They worshiped, worshiped. On the next day, they made sacrifices to the Lord to burn offerings to the Lord, a thousand bulls, a thousand rams, a thousand lambs with their drink offerings and sacrifice in abundance for all Israel. Note verse 22. So they ate and drank that day before the Lord with great gladness, just worshiping. They made Solomon, the son of David, king a second time, as we mentioned before. The first time was kind of in response to David's other son, putting himself as king. David then placed Solomon in that. So that happened before. Now this is kind of the official now. And they anointed him as ruler of the Lord and Zadok as his priest. Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David, his father. Up to this point, they were reigning together. And he prospered and all Israel obeyed him. 
All the officials, the mighty men, and also the sons of King David pledged their allegiance to King Solomon. The Lord highly exalted Solomon in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him royal majesty, which had not been on any other king before him in Israel. Now David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. The period which he reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned in Hebron 7 and in Jerusalem 33. We will pick up next time. Uh, we're together in Second Chronicles looking at the reign of Solomon, but it winds up, David's here, verse 28. Then he died, David, at the ripe old age, full of days, rich in honor, and his son Solomon reigned in his place. Now the acts of David from the first to the last are written in the Chronicles of Samuel the seer, in the Chronicles of Nathan the prophet, and in the Chronicles of Gad the seer. We don't know if those Chronicles of Nathan and of Gad are completely separate. Some believe that those portions of those, if not the complete of those, are what complete First and Second Samuel because, and First and Second Kings because Samuel couldn't have written that. A large, most of it takes a large part of it takes place after Samuel's death, but we don't know that for certain. They obviously existed at this time. With all his reign, his power, his circ- and uh, his circumstances, which came on him, on Israel, and all the kingdoms of the land. I think we all would like to have that at the end, right? That we die a ripe old age full of days. Every day spent serving the Lord, being able to say at the end of it all, <laughs> like, they, like, like Paul, being poured out as a drink offering right to the end, full of days. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you again for your word, the ability that we can come to you at any time with whatever it is that, we, that we're carrying, whatever burden we may have. You say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Lord, if there's anyone here tonight, I pray that that is a transaction that can take place this evening. If that is you, you simply go to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he promises rest, promises that he will take that burden from you if you simply lay it and leave it at his feet. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you not only call us servants, which we delight in serving you, you call us friends. Lord, our desire is to, is to serve you by doing whatever it is that you call us to do and equip us to do. Lord, I pray for those who are here tonight who may be searching for that, not not understanding exactly where it is that you desire for them to be at this particular time. Lord, would you reveal that to them? Lord, I pray, and I know it's your your desire that even though the initial shock of that is I can't do that, the fact of the matter is, Lord, you call us way above and beyond our means, our own abilities, because then we know it's all you. So, Lord, we, we trust you in that work. Lord, our desire is to be fruitful for you and to have fruit that lasts. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a good rest of the week.